Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? Welcome to episode 16 of the Banner Banter Podcast, your favorite Boston Celtics podcast. I am your host and most lovable, most favorite, insert your favorite adjective here, season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? Hope everyone had a great weekend. Happy early Thanksgiving. And if you're listening to this on Thanksgiving because you're driving a long way, Glad I can join you for the ride, and I hope you and your family have a great Thanksgiving. Because, let's be serious, Thanksgiving is the best holiday ever of the year, every single year. Don't at me. Don't try and argue with me. You will lose. Thanks for coming out. All right. At Banner Banter Podcast, Facebook and Instagram, at Banner Banter 18 on the Twitter machine. Follow me there for live tweets during the game that I do not attend. If I do attend those games, I'm not very active on those. Maybe minus some retweets about how frustrating some of the games are, a.k.a. the Jazz game. Let's talk about the last week the Celtics had. They had three games at home. They went 2-1, and one, which was I was hoping for, but I was just hoping that one of the games wasn't going to be a complete and utter embarrassment like it was this past Saturday night against the Utah Jazz. Celtics are currently 9-7 and seven right now. They're third in the Atlantic Division, one game behind Philly, and two and three and a half games back of the Raptors for the number one overall spot in not only the Atlantic division, but in the Eastern Conference. They're fifth overall in the East. They're half game up on the Pistons and one game up on the Magic. The Magic have been playing some great basketball as of late, so keep an eye out on them. So if the Celtics do not beat the Hornets like on the road tonight, which is Monday, for example, uh, they could drop to like the seventh seed in the East. That's really not that great and not really where we're expecting them to be around Thanksgiving time. But it's a long season. We shouldn't be too concerned because I believe the Celtics are going to go 4-0 this week. But we'll talk about that later on in the podcast, all right? Now, one of the other things, because Saturday night really bummed me out. So I needed something to just kind of boost my my energy. Positivity. We're all about positivity here on the Banner Banter podcast. Not really, but I'm trying I'm really trying not to be negative towards the Celtics, and this podcast has helped me out a great deal. Let's talk about the Celtics draft picks that they might have in 2019. The Celtics do have a possibility of having four first-round draft picks, which I know not a lot of people are talking about, but everyone should keep it in the back of their mind. So let's start off with the Sacramento Kings. Sacramento Kings are actually playing some pretty good basketball right now, and right now we would have the 19th pick from them. Hopefully that turns into the ninth and then turns into the third and then turns into the second because we cannot have the number one pick from the Kings. Then you look at the Memphis Grizzlies. As long as their pick finishes outside the top eight, it's ours. And currently it is 21st. So boom, two draft picks already. Then you look at the Los Angeles Clippers. Right now they're outside the top 14. We get their draft pick if they're outside the top 14, and their pick would be 22nd, and the Celtics would be 23rd. So to recap, 19, 21, 22, 23. 
not too shabby. Now, can Trader Danny package those four up and move up in the draft? I don't know because the top three guys are so good. Cam Reddish, Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett. I don't know if a lot of teams would bite for the top three, but, you know, could the Celtics move up and maybe get the sixth pick? Maybe. I mean, I, I, I don't know how... how I feel like a lot of people don't like to deal with Trader Danny anymore after the Nets deal, but it'll be interesting to see if some team bites. You know, there there could be, like, I could see the Washington Wizards. If the Washington Wizards keep playing the way that they're playing, blow it up. And if the Wizards have a crappy pick, let's say, because I think, like, right now they would have, like, the sixth or seventh pick overall in the draft, would they rather have four young guys and rebuild that entire team or just one guy? It's just something to, to keep an eye out on because the Wizards are playing like crap. Anyways, do you remember last week? Let's recap these games. Remember last week when I said the Celtics have taken the second fewest shots inside the restricted area with only 23 attempts per game? So they were 13 of 23, 60%. I mean, not bad, but only 23 attempts per game from opening night to the Trailblazers game two Sundays ago. They are in the Bulls and Raptors game. They average 18 out of 29, 63.8%. So that's six more attempts, five more baskets made, and look, they won both games. It's not rocket science. It, it really isn't. Attack the basket, get easy shots, and everything else will get better. Start close, then worry about long range later on. And one person who really needs to focus on that, Jalen Brown. And Jalen Brown had his best game of the season against the Bulls. He was fantastic. He was very aggressive, attacking on both ends of the floor. And because, like we said a bajillion times in this podcast good defense leads to better offense here's the issue Jalen Brown if you take away that Bulls game has been terrible currently he has 0.87 points per shot so every single time Jalen Brown shoots a two-pointer 0.87 points come out of that that's not good he's shooting 50% at the rim not good 28% from three terrible 65% from the free throw line so, now the debate is, is it time for a new starting lineup? We talked about how Gordon Hayward was, well, we will be talking about how Gordon Hayward's willing to come off the bench later on in the podcast. But is Jalen Brown the one that should be coming off the bench? Should Aaron Baines come out and should it be Irving, Hayward, Tatum, Horford, and Baines? And then you kind of go small with Brown, Morris, Rogier, Smart, and either keep Baines in or keep Horford in or keep Tatum in, or do you bring out Daniel Tice? Because I've said from the beginning, I don't care who starts the game. I care who finishes the game. And if you look at the Raptors game, Jalen Brown didn't really play a lot. He didn't really play a lot at all, especially in those last five minutes. And I believe he didn't play in overtime. And the Celtics won. And we'll, like I said, we'll get into the Raptors game in a bit because that was an incredible game to be at. The atmosphere in there was unbelievable. And that was just like a perfect NBA game. Like no one could be upset with that game. If the Celtics lost that game, sure, I would have been really upset, really bummed, really frustrated because, you know, they they should beat the Raptors at home. And that was just so much fun. It was back and forth. You know, the Celtics tried to go on a run. The Raptors were like, no, you guys aren't going on a run. And then the Raptors kind of just let the game slip away. But anyways, let's get back to the Bulls game. Marcus Morris did not play in that game due to illness, so I think that's another reason why Jalen Brown stepped up. I think Jalen Brown has kind of gotten into his own head. Now that Gordon's out out there on the court and Marcus Morris is playing so well, he feels like he has to do more 
and produce more when he really doesn't. The offense should come to him. One person that is letting the offense come to him, Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart has been, like, sneaky good all year. Like, Anna Kendrick, you know, like, Anna Kendrick, like, is sneaky attractive. Marcus Smart has been the Anna Kendrick of this basketball team so far. He's been playing very well. And he kind of came up in the news the other day after the Bulls game. He actually hit his 333rd three as a member of the Boston Celtics, which moves him to 10th all-time in the list. He has hit more threes than Eddie House did. Eddie House was our first banner banter investigation that we did. Eddie House was one of my favorite players on that 08 Celtics team. High socks, headbands, wristbands, you name it. His kid was hilarious before all the pregames. But Marcus Smart has made 333 threes. That, that's a mouthful. 333 threes as a member of the Boston Celtics. And guess who's next in line at 348? Danny Ainge, his boss. What are the chances of that? Pretty cool, huh? But the person after that is where we are going to do our next Banner Banter Investigation. Hit the music. We now interrupt this podcast to bring you a very special Banner Banter Investigation Celtics Unit Report. Okay, this week's Banner Banter Investigation is about Dana Barros, who has 416 made three-pointers as a member of the Boston Celtics. Dana Barros, as a lot of you know, is from Boston, Massachusetts, and is formerly a Boston College Eagle, and it's actually pretty cool. My high school basketball coach, Charlie Mickle, he was actually his backup for two years. He was backup to Dana Barros when Dana Barros was at Boston College. Dana Barros had a great career at Boston College. His number was retired last February, and he was also on the first team Big East team in 1988. He played basketball locally at Xavierian Brothers High School. He actually dropped 57 points in a tournament game one time against Needham in 1985. I was born in 1985. That's how crazy that is. And in that season, he was averaging 30 points a game as a senior in high school. Isn't that crazy? 30 points a game. And the craziest part about all that, the three-point shot wasn't invented yet. Isn't that crazy? That means he was making at least a dozen, if not more, shots a game. That's awesome. He was an incredible, incredible high school basketball player. It's a shame he went to Boston College because, well, Boston College has never really been good at basketball ever, minus maybe a handful of years, you know, like when Jared Dudley and Craig Smith and some of those other guys were there. But then after he was done at Boston College, he got selected 16th overall by the Seattle Supersonics in the 1989 draft, and he was the backup for Gary Payton. And he did okay. I mean, Gary Payton, the glove, Hall of Famer, one of the best to ever do it. And then in 1993, he was actually traded to the Hornets for Kendall Gill. (laughs) amazing name drop, Kendall Gill. And then literally like two or three days later, he was then traded again, this time to the Philadelphia 76ers with Sidney Green, Greg Graham, and a future draft pick for Hersey Hawkins. So literally he got traded twice in a matter of like a week. His first season with the 76ers, his minutes and production went up. They went like through the roof. He shot 40% from the field, 46% from three, and he shot 20 
20%. He shot 20%. He averaged 20 shots a game. And then in one game that season, he actually scored 50 points. He was playing the Rockets, member of the Philadelphia 76ers, and he dropped 50 points. And then, until recently, he had an NBA record where he hit at least one three-pointer in 89 straight games. Kyle Korver broke that, I think, like three or four years ago. So it was basically a whole season plus seven games. Dana Barrows hit a three-pointer every single game. Absolutely crazy. 1995, in that season, he won NBA's Most Improved Player, and he was also voted as an All-Star in the 1995 season. After that 1995 season, Dana then signed to be a part of the Boston Celtics. He played with the Celtics until 2000, and he played in the NBA overall until 2004. Currently, he has a bunch of basketball clinics in the area where, you know, whether you're uh, you have a six-year-old kid or you're 15, you can go to these Dana Barrows clinics. He loves helping out the community. He's such a great guy. And just so you know, he actually has a hip-hop song called Check It, and he's actually a really good rapper. I'm not going to play any for you because some of the audio is like so like bad back then. I think he released it in like 93 or 94 that I can't play it. But I will tell you this. It is better than that Marcus Smart rapping song. So you see how, once again, another Banner Banter investigation where I bring everything together. We started with Marcus Smart shooting threes. We end with Marcus Smart rapping, thanks to Dana Barrows being A, a better three-point shooter than him, and B, a better rapper. Okay, here we go. Raptors game. Huge win for this team. It was much needed. It was to let the Raptors know that they, you know, they should not take the Celtics lightly. I know they don't, but with the way the Celtics were playing... If you're the Raptors, you can be like, we can beat these guys. <laughs> yeah, we got this. Kyrie Irving, absolutely incredible. He had 43 points, 11 assists, and part of those 43 points, he actually scored his 10,000th point in his career. Incredible. Kudos to Kyrie Irving, 10,000 points. Now, I think LeBron, I think dropped 51 tonight or something and he's like got like 38,000 or something like that maybe it's only 33 but anyways he's in the 30,000 so he's got like three times the amount of point as Kyrie does but I believe LeBron is 34 or 33 I think he's he's turning 34 in December and Kyrie's 25 or 26 right now so hey if Kyrie keeps dropping 43 and 11, he'll catch up to LeBron in no time. But anyways, the last time someone actually had 40 and 10 at home, 40 points, 10 assists, Larry Bird, 1992. So a pretty cool list for Kyrie Irving to join. The, I thought even though Kyrie had th- 43 points and 11 assists and was absolutely incredible and some of his finishes were just mind-boggling, like how I don't understand how he does it, Gordon Hayward played 39 minutes. His minute restriction... Gone. See you later. Out the door. He played 39 minutes knowing that the Celtics had a game the next night. So kudos to Brad for trusting him. Kudos to Gordon for actually wanting to do it. And he played great. I, I'm, he led the team in minutes, I believe, by like two or three minutes. I think Kyrie only played like 36 or 37 minutes. He had 15 points, five boards, five assists, four for eight from the field, six of six, from the free throw line, and two, including two clutch, clutch, clutch free throws to tie the game with 24 seconds left. To have all that pressure on him with the injury that's coming back just shows the mentality that he has and that he's getting there. I know last week I was a little fired up and said Gordon has to perform, and I believe that he has, 
but he just has to be more consistent with it because he he didn't play that great against the Jazz. He played okay, but now that the Jazz are officially done, we don't see the Jazz again. Put that in your rearview mirror, and let's hope that by Christmas, Gordon Hayward is back to his normal self. I think he's at like 80-85% right now, just his confidence the way that he's fitting in with the team, I believe his explosiveness to the basket isn't there yet, like at all. I don't know if he's still nervous. I don't know if he's afraid pushing off yet, but that's still not there. You can notice it when he was going down for a breakaway layup and Donovan Mitchell blocked a shot against the Jazz on Saturday. But I believe Gordon Hayward is right there. And right before that Raptors game, Gordon Hayward mentioned that he would be willing to come off the bench. He said he would do it if it if it would benefit the team. And some might agree that, sure, Gordon should come off the bench and others may not. I think right now, Tatum, Hayward, Kyrie, Baines, and Horford is the way to go. I, I know last year, the I think our best lineup was Baines, Horford, Kyrie. Like when they went on that like 16-game win streak, it was Kyrie, Baines, Horford, Brown, and Tatum. Like that, that was the best lineup. But the way Jalen's playing and the way that I feel like Jalen's in his head, maybe he just needs a little bit of a reality check to go back on the bench, collect yourself, and let the offense come to you and be the great player that you were in the Eastern Conference Finals. Or if you don't want to do that, just start fasting again because that seemed to work out for you, Jalen. Oh, I burped again. I feel like that's going to be a new thing. Maybe I'll just burp like once a week. That just shows how natural this is and it's not edited and it's just raw. But anyways, the other cool thing about the Raptors game was Scary Terry, Terry Rozier. His dad was there. First time watching his son play at TD Garden. I know we mentioned a few podcasts ago that Terry's dad uh, was arrested and was in jail for a very, very long time and really didn't get to see Terry play any type of basketball throughout his entire career, whether it was high school at Louisville or as a member of the Celtics. And his first game was, I believe, against the Cavs. Uh, I think it was a preseason game was the first time he actually saw his son play. But this was the first time he got to see his son play in front of a sold-out TD Garden crowd. So I hope Terry's dad had a great, great time. All right, and then let's just talk about this Jazz game real quick because I believe this was one of the worst performances in the Brad Stevens era by any Celtics team, and that includes like the first season when they had like a losing record. The 5 of 33 from 3? 5 of 33 from 3. Less than 17%. Like, let's just talk about simple math here, okay? Out of 100 shots, 17 of them went in, if we're going to do, like, basic math. That's piss, poor, terrible. And then they had 14 turnovers. And then they only had 16 assists. That's terrible. Terrible. Trey Jones, Duke, freshman, point guard. His assist-to-turnover ratio, I believe right now, is like 6.5 or 7 to 1, which means every 7 assists that he has, he has one turnover. The Celtics can't even, barely did a 1-1, one one, a little bit over a 1-1. One, one. one assist, one turnover. One assist, one turnover. One assist, one turnover. Terrible. No ball movement. Selfish play. No energy. It sucked. Terry Rozier, if... Now, like... Brad Wanamaker came in with like seven minutes to go. Brad kind of, I don't want to say like Brad kind of like gave up on his starters and stuff, but the Jazz kind of extended the lead to 14 with about seven or eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And he just brought out, he kept Kyrie out there because Kyrie was, you know, cooking as always. And 
He brought out Tice, Wanamaker, Semi, and Yabo. And all those guys finished in the plus minus Kyrie. But the only like top eight player from the Celtics that finished in the plus was Terry Rozier. He was a plus four. And he went two of nine from the field and zero of six from three. And he was a plus four. Like, I don't understand how they can blow out the Bulls. I think they beat the Bulls by, what, 23, 24? They beat the best team in the Eastern Conference in overtime by five or six. And then a Jazz team that comes in with a losing record, they get literally embarrassed. I I don't get it. Was it the second night of a back-to-back? Okay, maybe, but the Jazz lost to the 76ers the night before. So how come the Jazz can come out? And play with all this energy, but the Celtics can't. The Jazz were on their own road trip, you know, like the way the Celtics had one a couple weeks ago. You know, five games and nine nights. Why? Why the 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 thud? I I left that game very angry on Saturday night. It's still kind of bothering me right now that they could actually play that poorly. So after that game, the Celtics are officially the twenty seventh worst offense in the league. 27th worst offense in the league. But guess what? After forcing a turnover, the Celtics are the 11th best team in the league. So good defense leads to better offense. And right now, the Celtics aren't playing with any energy on the defensive end. None. Zip. Squat. Start forcing more turnovers. The offense will come. The confidence will come. And everyone will be happy. I promise you. I mean, Kyrie Irving is playing defense now. Kyrie Irving cares. Kyrie Irving, like, I know he probably played some D in the NBA Finals each time that the Cavs, like, played the Warriors. I never saw Kyrie play D at Duke. Kyrie's first season here, I feel like he didn't really play a lot of D, and it it showed a lot of people kind of compared him and Isaiah Thomas with piss-poor defense, which is fine, but Kyrie's, like, all over the place now. I don't know if it's contract year Kyrie or, like, He's finally healthy, Kyrie, but either way, Kyrie Irving is going to get our stud. Let's roll it. And now, it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. All right, so like I just said, Kyrie Irving is going to be your Celtics stud of the week. Incredible performances, uh, a reasonable performance against the Jazz, a solid performance against the Bulls, and an unbelievable night-to-remember performance against the Toronto Raptors. And he actually had a great quote. He was actually asked about the Jimmy Butler trade because Jimmy Butler is going to the 76ers, as we all know. I think he I think they're one and one or one and two with Jimmy Butler. And he says, "Who cares?" Honestly, it's so early. That's what Kyrie had to say about the Jimmy Butler trade. Love that. He's so confident in this team, and I just wish other players were confident as well. I really and truly do. I don't understand what it is. I don't know if Hayward, I'm sorry, not Hayward, Tatum and Brown, like the young guys, don't want to play small ball. Like when Hor- when Horford's not out there, the the young guys really aren't that good. Like, when Tatum has to play, like, the four or the five, or if Marcus Morris is out there. So, like, let's just say this, for example. If it's Tatum, Morris, Rozier, Smart, and Hayward, those are the guys out on the floor. Jason Tatum 
I swear to God, gets nervous. If you change Brown and Tatum, Brown gets nervous too. I don't know if they don't want to be physical or what, but they need like a big guy out there with them. And I feel like Brad needs to find a way to get the two of them over that hump of saying, this is the way the NBA works now. I understand you're like 6'8 or 6'9 and you're not your typical five, but you have to be. We're playing positionless basketball. That's why we have 78 million wings on this team. Tatum and Brown have to start playing bigger for this team to succeed. And it kind of starts with veteran leadership. And Horford has to give confidence in these guys, and same with Baines and same with Kyrie, to make sure that these guys can play with the type of confidence where I don't need Al Horford out there. I don't need Aaron Baines out there. We got this. And right now, I think that's holding the Celtics back a little bit. And it, Kyrie kind of said some weird comments about it after, uh, what was it? After the Trailblazers game. And, and he said he believes that the Celtics need like a 15-year player in the locker room. Now, a lot of people instantly pointed to Carmelo Anthony. And let me just say this perfectly clear because I know Danny Ainge listens to this every week. And if he doesn't, I hope he only listens to this five-second clip right here. Do not sign Carmelo Anthony for the love of God, please. Do not sign Carmelo Anthony, please. He's washed up. He's a bum. He's a loser. Don't sign him. Celtics don't need a 15-year guy. Celtics just need to get their act together. They will. We got to be patient. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be easy. It might even look like the Jazz game, but they're going to get there. And it's going to start this week. I feel like it started a little bit. Great performance against the Bulls. Great performance against the Raptors. Little hiccup against the Jazz. Got an important game against the Hornets, especially since Kemba dropped 60 points the other night. Kemba Walker played the Philadelphia 76ers at home and dropped 60 points. 76ers still won thanks to a Jimmy Butler shot at the buzzer. It starts this week. If they can win all four of these games, we're going to say the Celtics have been winners of six out of the last seven. So keep an eye out on that, okay? And then the dud this week. <sighs> Daniel Tice. What are you doing with your hair, bud? He got a, you know, he got a freshy fade. I, I respect that. I get a freshy fade every two weeks. I'm all about it. But he dyed it blonde. I want to know, did he lose a bet? Like, he had to have lost a bet. Like, he couldn't have looked at Yabo and said, oh, you know what, Yabaselli? I love your red hair. I'm going to dye mine blonde. He literally looks like Slim Shady, Marshall Mathers, Eminem himself. I bet you if Kim was was available, who knows, she might be. If, he, if she was to go to 8 Mile, or if Daniel Tice was to go to 8 Mile, walk up to her and be like, hey, what's up? She'd be like, well, you're a little bit taller than him, but you look exactly like him. So this dud this week is Daniel Tice. All right, so our Celtics stud of the week is... Is Kyrie Irving officially back? Yes. Yes, he is. Kyrie's your stud. Daniel Tice is your dud. Let's talk about the upcoming games this week, shall we? Okay, Celtics have four games this week. Three of them are on the road. The first is tonight. Charlotte Hornets, 7 o'clock, down in North Carolina. Like I just said... The Charlotte Hornets, currently the eighth seed in the East, gave a good quality run at the Philadelphia 76ers. 76ers won, but Kemba had to drop 60. Now, will Kemba do that again? I don't know. The way the Celtics are playing defense, he might he might drop 70. But I don't think that he will. 
Celtics beat the Hornets. Okay, they did split. You know the preseason. The the first two games the Celtics played were against the Hornets. You know, one down at the Dean Dome, one up at the TD Garden. And last year, the Celtics actually had their highest scoring game down in Charlotte against the Hornets. They scored 134 points. So I feel like Brad kind of knows a way around this Charlotte Hornets defensive system. It might work out. So I say Celtics get their 10th win of the year tonight against the Charlotte Hornets. Then we move on to the Knicks. TD Garden, only home game of the week. The Knicks are currently 4-14. Four and 14. The last time we played the Knicks was the second night of a back-to-back after we lost to the Raptors at Madison Square Garden, and Jason Tatum had to hit that Kevin Garnett shoulder shimmy fadeaway to win the game. Perfectly fine. The Celtics were second night of a back-to-back in a funk, probably heartbroken over that Raptors loss. Kyrie wasn't really back. He still had his fro, wasn't 100% healthy. Gordon... I believe didn't play that game because he was on a minute restriction. Yeah, yeah, Gordon didn't play that game at all, now that I think of it. So that's a good thing. And Kevin Knox, he got hurt earlier in that game. He had a really bad ankle sprain that game, but he came back and played. So Kevin Knox can play. I know he's not 100% healthy yet, and I believe he's coming off the bench for the Knicks, but that dude can play. He was incredible in the Las Vegas Summer League. He's a scorer. You know, Marcus Morris needs to D up on him. Oh, and by the way, Sorry that I didn't mention this earlier. Marcus Morris did a... I know Kawhi Leonard still got his, but I feel like Marcus Morris did a reasonable, if not solid job against Kawhi Leonard late in the fourth quarter and in overtime against that Raptors game. So shout out to stand by your man, Marcus Morris. Okay, then the last two games of this trip, Friday night and Saturday night, on the road against the Hawks and the Mavericks. It was the first time, I believe, in like 40 or 50 years, the Celtics are not playing at TD Garden on Black Friday. A little disappointing. was one of my favorite traditions, especially since like Bruins were at 1, Celtics were at 7, or Celtics were at 1, Bruins was at 7. It was like a Boston tradition, and the NBA just said, screw it, go down to Atlanta. Never understood it. Now, the Hawks and the Mavs combined record 10-21. and 21. So if you look at it, After the Hornets game, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, they are playing three teams with a combined record of 14 and 35. This should be a 4-0 week for the Boston Celtics. It really and truly should. Now, with that being said, the Mavs did just beat the Warriors on Saturday night. The Mavs do have a lot of talent. You know, DeAndre Jordan will probably get about 28 rebounds in this game. He'll out-rebound Horford like there's no tomorrow. Luka Doncic is a fantastic 19-year-old. His first year in the league, he's great. You know, John Wall moves at about 100 miles an hour. Kyrie moves at probably about 60 miles an hour. And Luka Doncic moves at about 4 miles an hour. If you guys watch him, his he, I don't want to say he's like moving in slow motion, but he is, but he's very good at it. And he's a great player, and he has a very, very bright future. I'm really looking forward to watching him play. I've I've watched a Mavs game here or there this season, and he is great. I've really, really enjoyed watching him play. But the weird thing about the Mavs, even though they did just beat the Warriors on Saturday night, like I just said, rumor has it DeAndre Jordan really isn't making a lot of friends down in Dallas. Remember a few years ago, all the tweets went out with the emojis about where 
DeAndre Jordan was and how the Clippers took him away from the Mavs. And now a lot of people in the Mavs organization really aren't finding him that great to play with, that he's kind of a selfish player and not a lot of people are getting along with him. So it'll be interesting to see how, how that continues throughout the week, especially for the Celtics, because, you know, if there's some beef like there is with DeAndre uh Draymond Green and Kevin Durant, then who says there can't be any beef between some of the Mavs guys and could make them play poorly and the Celtics could get a nice win. And then obviously Friday night, I'm really looking forward to Trey Young and Kyrie. Who's going to shoot more? Who's going to shoot from further away? Who's going to make more three-pointers? Who's going to create more turnovers because they're trying too hard to dribble too much? Should be an interesting week. Celtics should go 4-0. We should be able to say at the end of Saturday night, the Celtics are winners of 6-7. of we can then say that the Celtics are 13-7, and seven, a lot better than 9-7. and seven. Celtics are going to be in a good place. If they go 3-1 and one this week, I'll be okay, but they can't go 2-2. Two and two. they got to go 4-0 or 3-1. and one. They really do. All right, folks, that is it for Episode 16 of the Banner Banter Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Social media, find me. Twitter machine, at Banner Banter 18, and on Facebook or Instagram, at Banner Banter Podcast. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Podbean, name a podcast app. The Banner Banter Podcast is there. Tell your friends, and I hope you and your family and the entire Boston Celtics organization has an absolutely amazing and safe Thanksgiving. Enjoy your time with your family. It's the best holiday of the year, no questions asked. We'll talk to you guys next week for episode 17. Hopefully all positive news. I tried to be as positive as I could this week. I'm probably going to have to go take a shower because I feel uncomfortable about it because I'm still really upset about the jazz game. But that's that. Thank you guys so much for listening. Toodles and noodles, X's and O's. Bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.